Hey, well, good morning, church. Wow, the amount of red is blinding. Happy Lunar New Year. Wow, that was pathetic. <laughs> happy Lunar New Year. And happy Australia Day. What a momentous occasion. I don't know about you, but I have been eating until my stomach has expanded a couple sizes. Um, these pants are starting to fit a little tight, but it's okay. We'll lose it after the year. But, you know, every time there's a new year, um, God says that he puts the stars and the lights in the sky to mark sacred times, years, and seasons. And so I'm believing that as we enter into a lunar new year, that God is doing a new thing in our hearts today. It's not just something that we throw around in church. It's not just a phrase that we say. But really, it is a time where God is marking out He is going to do a new thing in our lives this morning. Amen? Amen. So today, come on, why don't you uh, just stand to your feet for a minute. I just want to begin today's sermon just by praying. We're going to lift some time up in prayer. We're going to pray for uh, Australia. We're going to pray for the new year. And we're just going to commit uh, the message into His hands. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here with you, to hear from you, to worship you, and just to come close to you. Lord, we thank you for this country of Australia where we are free to worship you, where we are free to express our faith, to walk closely with you without fear of persecution. And so, Lord, we just lift up our country right now, today on Australia Day, into your hands. We thank you, Lord, that you have placed us here for such a time as this. We thank you, Lord, that this, this country of Australia is meant to be the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we are believing that you are doing something new in our midst today, not just as a church, but God as a country. And so, Lord, we just lift up the entire country into your hands. We lift up the leadership of this country, the politicians of this country. We lift up the governments. We lift up the councils. We lift up every single person who has influence in this country. Lord, we pray, Lord, that your hand would be upon them. Lord, we pray, Lord, that uh, as they lead and as they govern, that they would do so righteously. God, that they would lead this country in a way which follows after your heart, in a way which walks into the blessing that you have for us. God, we thank you that even as we have prayed for, um, for you to have mercy upon our, our nation with the bushfires, Lord, that you have sent rain and that you will continue to send rain. Lord, that you will continue to save, you will continue to show mercy upon us. And so, Lord, we lift up this nation into your hands. Lord, we thank you for this special season, Chinese New Year, the, the Lunar New Year. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are doing a new thing in our hearts today. And Lord, we pray for this new year ahead. God, I pray that it will be one where we walk in greater power, in greater newness of spirit, in greater intimacy with you. Lord, where we experience you in ways that we have not experienced you before. Lord, I declare over every single person here that the, this new year will not be like the last. God, whatever has happened in the past has passed. Whatever is gone is gone. But Lord, we look forward in faith to what you are doing in this new year. We walk forward with expectation, knowing that that we serve a God who has plans and purposes for us, who, who does not wish to harm us, but to give, He wants to give us a hope and a future. And so, Lord, we thank you for this new year. And Lord, we just pray, especially in this season, God, where people are traveling, Lord, that you would keep us safe. Lord, that you would have your protection be upon us. God, even with the virus and everything that's going around right now, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would grant your people divine health, which is our portion in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the, the, stripe that you, the stripes that you bore at Calvary. We thank you, Lord, that you have purchased for us health and divine life. And so, Lord, we, we lean into it and we claim it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Give the Lord some praise and then you may take your seats. 
You know, today we're going to be capping off, we're going to be ending our series on Starting Right. It's our Start Right series. And for those of you who are new to our church or who are maybe just joining us this week, uh, this series has really been about refocusing our hearts as we begin a new year. You know, who, who here agrees that starting something well is really important? You know? And so as a church, we have, we have decided and we have resolved that this year we're going to start this year off right with God. I don't know about you, but who here, who here wants to be a person who has a hunger for God? Who wants to have a renewed zeal for God? Do you remember that? Who here wants that? Who here wants to be a person who is deeply rooted in the Word? Who here wants to be someone who is saturated in prayer, who is powerful in their prayers? Now we've got less and less as, as I ask more and more questions. Is there something wrong here? Come on, is there anyone here who wants to start this year off right with God? Wants to walk closely with God this year? Amen. Well, today we're going to be focusing on a new aspect, the last aspect, which is our service life. Our message today is entitled Rekindling Our Service Life. And now when we talk about serving, I want to be very clear here, all right? As we talk about serving, that today is not about recruiting volunteers for the church teams, okay? Because I know a lot of you, when I, when, when I mentioned, oh, we're talking about serving today, you know, oh, here we go. All right, serve in the welcome team, join kids' church, worship team needs people, you know? It's not about that, but today is really about returning us to become the kind of people that God himself wants us to be. He wants us to be a serving people, and he himself is a servant king, amen? He is our great servant king, and so my prayer this morning is that as we behold him, as we look at him, as we realize who it is that he is, that we will become more like him, and that our hearts will be changed to serve just like he does, amen? Amen. So let's get right into it, all right? I want to give you three, uh, three principles, three key truths that we have to grapple with about serving this morning. And I believe that if we grapple with these and we capture these, it will really change the way we serve. Now, first of all, I want, just, I want us to realize this. Serving is a commandment to obey. It is a command to obey. Now, I know that sounds a little bit harsh, a little bit high-handed, a bit iffy to start off with, because no one likes to be heard that uh, no one likes to hear that you have to obey something. No one likes to hear that, hey, this is something that you have to do. But allow me to just explain and elaborate on this a little bit. You see, one of the problems that we have when it comes to serving is this, is that we have limited the definition and scope of what serving is to just serving and volunteering within the church or, you know, joining full-time ministry. Well, let's, let's be real here. You know, when I mentioned serving this morning, how many of you guys were thinking about serving in church when I mentioned that? Just one? Everyone else didn't care. Come on. Who here was thinking, when, when I mentioned serving, who here immediately thinks about serving in church? And that's the first place that your mind goes to. Well, that's an issue because when we limit our definition to just serving in church into this one area of service, what happens is um, it gives rise to statements like this. It says, we can say, you know what? For this season, I'm taking a break from serving, right? Or I'm too busy to serve. I have too many things going on in my life. My family, my work, everything that's going on, I'm too busy to serve. Or, you know, serving is, is not my calling. Serving in church is just not where I'm meant to be. But those are not statements that align with how God sees serving, Amen. Let me, let me point a couple of verses out for you. 1 Samuel 12, verse 24, says, Be sure to fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things He has done for you. 
Romans 12, verses 11, that's the, that's the verse that Pastor Benny has been talking about the last couple of weeks. He says, never be lacking in zeal, but always keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You know, does it sound here like serving is optional or voluntary? Like it's something that we can opt in and opt out of, you know, that we can choose to be a part of or not? Does it sound like it's only for people who are called to work in the church? It's absolutely not. Absolutely not. The issue here is our definition. And I want to be really clear about this so that we can begin to expand our mindset of what it means to serve God. Because there are four words in the Bible that are commonly translated as serve. And each will give us a kind of a, a bit of a fuller picture of what it means to really serve God. So, so let's look at them, all right? The first one is this. The first one is Latruo. Latruo. Latruo is often defined or translated in the Bible as worship. And so what we learn about service from this word is that our service is oftentimes linked to our worship. It is our glorifying of God. It is giving honor and glory to God. It is the recognition of who God is in our life and our response to His greatness. So serving God involves the worship of God. It's not just about singing songs, but it's about living life in a way that brings honor and glory to God. Amen? Clear with that so far? The second word is this, abad. Abad is found in the Old Testament. It means literally to work or to labor. So if we are serving God, it means that we are involved in and participating in the work of God and His kingdom here on earth. All right, so we're worshiping, we're working. The third word is dueleo, which means to be a slave, to be a slave. Now that one sounds really harsh. No one likes to be a slave and slavery brings out all kinds of bad connotations, but it also means to do service, to obey and submit to. This means that serving God is not an issue of volunteering, but it is an issue of ownership. That if serving comes out of a place of knowing who we belong to, who we have been purchased by. And so serving is an issue of ownership. Who owns my life? Who is the master of my soul? That's what serving is about. The fourth word is this, diakoneo, which means to wait upon or to minister. It gives you the word picture, it gives you the picture of a waiter who is at a restaurant serving a customer, who is attentively paying attention to the customer, what they want, what they need, so that they can attend to it the moment they ask for it. They want a fork, they get a fork. They want a chopstick, they get a chopstick. Whatever they want, they get. It is that picture of waiting upon to minister to the Lord. So to serve God, if we recap all of these things, it means to worship God, it means to participate in His works, to recognize His lordship and ownership over us, and to be attentive to His desires. And when we define service this way, it becomes clearer to us that serving God is for every Christian. There are no exceptions. Let me be clear. Serving God is for every Christian. There are no exceptions. We are all called to worship God. We are all called to participate in His works. We are all called to recognize His Lordship and to submit to His desires. Amen? Amen. So who here thinks that they're going to be serving God this year? Still only half of you. What is wrong with me this morning? Come on. Who here thinks they're going to be serving God this year? Come on, it should be all of us. Any of us who call ourselves Christians have a call to service. You see... There is no break from this kind of service. We can't be too busy for this kind of service because put simply, serving God is just living out the life, living out the Christian faith that we have. 
It is the only proper and reasonable response to a life that has been purchased, that has been saved, that has been redeemed by Jesus' blood at the cross. Amen? That's why Romans 12, 1 says, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, we are to offer our lives as a living sacrifice, pure and acceptable unto God. This is our true and acceptable service. Some words say, uh, some versions say worship. It's because it's the word, like I mentioned before, latreo, worship, service, worship, service. Romans 6 verse 13 says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and then offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Galatians 5.13 says it this way, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. You see, service, in other words, service is a commandment for all those who have been saved. If you are saved, you are called to serve. There's no ifs and buts about it. There's no two questions. There's no, I'm not called to it. This is not my season. I'm taking a break from serving. If you are, if you are a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, you are called to serve. Can anyone say amen? Amen. So here are some practical takeaways that I want to give to you about serving, all right, today. Something that will kind of reframe and readjust where and how we see serving in our lives today. Because it's really important that we, we get this, all right? So the first thing is this, you know, serving is not limited to inside the church. It's not limited to inside the church, all right? So when someone tells you, you need to be serving the Lord, don't immediately start thinking of the coffee team, all right? The church is a great place to serve God, but serving God happens everywhere that you are. So the, the issue here is to serve where you are. Serve where you are. Everything that you do, do it for the glory of God. Do it for the glory of God. You can be a mother to the glory of God. You can be a workplace director to the glory of God. You can be a good son to the glory of God, a good friend to the glory of God. You can do everything to the glory of God and all of it is your service unto the Lord. All of it is your work unto the Lord. All of it is your glory unto the Lord. Amen? You know, I, I, I like to um, give this example of it. You know, everyone thinks of service and of ministry in a certain way. For example, everyone looks at someone like the late evangelist Billy Graham and thinks, that guy was a great servant of God, amen? Everyone looks at him and says, the effectiveness of his life warrants that he is such a great servant of God. And no one would dispute that. But if we nail down our perception to what it means to serve God as Billy Graham, then all of us are, are pursuing being Billy Graham, trying to speak like Billy Graham, trying to do like Pastor Benny's thing like Billy Graham. We're all trying to pursue a gifting and a calling that may or may not be ours. But let me ask you this question. Was Billy Graham's mum a servant of the Lord? Amen. And some would say, more importantly so. For if he, she didn't raise Billy Graham the way that he did and raise him in the fear of the Lord and nurtured a place where he could pursue God and be convicted by the word of God, we would not have this evangelist. And so it starts to change our mind and reframe our thinking to think that our service can be anything, any normal thing that we do in the midst of our life. We need to stop 
pigeonholing service into the holier-than-thou kind of roles, being a pastor, being a full-time worker, serving on the worship ministry, serving in a role in church. And we gotta start thinking about serving God as every single thing that we do. Let me ask you the question, how are you treating your family? How are you treating your friends? What are you doing when you go to university? How are you walking around with your colleagues? What are the conversations that you are having? Are you serving God where you are? It's a very practical handle, but it's very real and it's very important that we capture it. That serving is not limited to within the church. Serve where you are. The second thing, the second practical handle I want to give you is this, right? Everyone has gifts or talents that can be used to serve God. Because sometimes a lot of people say, you know what? I'm not that gifted. I don't have what it takes to be Billy Graham, to be, you know, uh, some great preacher. I don't have what it takes to be a great evangelist. I don't have what it takes to, to bring people together and to, you know, change poverty in Perth. But what if, what if your gift is just being hospitable? What if your gift is just welcoming people into your house and providing a space for them where they can enjoy real fellowship, where they can talk about the deep things of their heart and be pointed towards God? Why don't you serve God there? You know, everyone has a gift, whether it's hospitality, whether it's serving, whether it's faith, whether it's encouragement, everyone has something that they can give, that they can offer to the Lord as their act of service, as an act of service. You know, the Gospels record Jesus telling about the parable of the talents. For those of you who, you know, haven't been in church much, the parable of the talents is about three servants. A master gives three servants three different amounts of talents, all right? And then he goes away for a period of time and he comes back. And the different servants have done different things with what has been given unto them. So the first servant comes back and he's doubled what he's, uh, what he's been given. And he says, look, you've given me five talents. Now I bring to you five more. You have 10 back in total. And the, the master says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your savior, of your Lord. And so the same happens for the second servant. And then the third servant does this. The third servant has been given one talent, just one. The first has been given five. The second has been given two. This guy has been given the least. He's been given one talent. And what he did with it is, and when the master returns, he comes back and he says, well, I knew you were a harsh taskmaster, so I was afraid. And so I buried that talent in the soil. And so here it is. Here's your talent back. And the moral of the story, the principle there is not actually about the talent. The principle there is that you are using whatever has been given to you, right? Oftentimes in church and oftentimes when I talk to people, we're always comparing talents and we're, we're talking about what we don't have and what we do have. Let me, let, me, let me just clarify that for a minute because we need to stop thinking about what we need to have, what skills we do or do not have. And we just need to begin to work and be faithful with what we have. You know, the, the point here is not to be lazy with your talent. It's not about what talent you do or you do not have. It's not what it is or it isn't. It's just use it. Just use it. So everyone has gifts and talents that can be used to serve God. Just use it. And the third practical takeaway is this. Oftentimes when I talk to people about serving, uh, an obstacle that comes to their mind is this. I don't know where God has called me to serve. Have you ever heard that before? I don't know where God has called me to serve. I don't know if he wants me to join this team or that team, if he wants me to do this or to do that. Well, sometimes it's a good thing to seek the Lord for his specific and direct guidance on where we should serve. But a lot of the time, I think God doesn't really mind. 
Can I put it that way? A lot of the time, I think God really doesn't mind. Let's not be so caught up, especially young people, right? Young people come and they're like, you know what? I want to find my calling in life. I want to know what I've been called to do, what I need to study, how I'm going to serve God in the area of my career, where, where I'm going to go. I want my life journey planned out for me. Can I encourage you this morning that don't over-concern yourself with the specifics of where and how, but just serve where you are. Just serve where you are. Whatever your specific calling is, whether you're called to be an entrepreneur or a plumber or a CEO or a pastor, don't worry yourself so much over it. Whatever your calling is, you can be sure that you have one calling, which is just serve. Just serve. All right, so three practical takeaways about serving. I like how J.C. Ryle puts it. He says, zeal in religion is a burning desire to please God to do his will and to advance his glory in the world in every possible way, in every possible way. And that sums up what serving is for us, isn't it? It's to please God, it's to do his will and to advance his glory in the world in every possible way. So can I encourage us church this morning that as we head into the new year, let's be a serving church. Wherever you are, whatever has been placed in your hand, whatever your sphere of influence is, can I encourage you to just serve? Okay, that's the first thing. All right, serving is a command to obey. That one was the hardest one and the harshest one. It gets lighter from here, so smile. The second point is this. Serving has an example to follow. It has an example to follow. If you grew up in Sunday school, you would know that the correct answer to every question is Jesus. And surprise, surprise, the example is Jesus. Congratulations, you've now graduated out of Children's Church. So serving has an example to follow. Jesus is the great servant king. Just like it says in Philippians 2, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. You know, Mark chapter 10 puts it so beautifully when Jesus himself says this, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Church, I want us to um, capture this because this is really going to change how we approach God and how we approach our service life. But when we serve, serving requires us to take reference from the original blueprint of service, which is found in our Lord Jesus Christ. It requires, it demands that we do it. It is imperative and mission critical, as Pastor Singel likes to say, that we do it. Why? Why? Because keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus is the key to a sustained, effective, and satisfying service life. A sustained, effective, and satisfied service life is only found when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He is not only the past model that we emulate after and that we look at, but he is also the ever-present help who serves you right here, right now. And if we keep our eyes fixed on our great servant king, who was not just a servant in the past, but who continues to have his desire is to serve us now, then our service becomes sustainable, it becomes effective, and it becomes 
best of all, satisfying. I don't know when was the last time you heard about that, but service can be satisfying. Too many of us are going around trying to serve the Lord and have not found satisfaction in our service. May I contend and present to you that maybe it is because we have fixed our eyes on the wrong things, that we have lost focus on the model that we are called to follow after, on the one who is serving us now. And here's where things begin to get tricky, because I often have discussions with people who struggle in the area of serving God, right? Whether it be they're burning out, whether it be they're getting discouraged or disappointed at the lack of progress, whether, you know, they've changed serving to something that it's not supposed to be and it's becoming all about something that it's never meant to be about. The common thing that I find when I talk to people about their struggles with service is this. People who struggle with serving often have a limited or a forgotten revelation of Jesus' desire to serve them. Hear me very carefully. People who struggle with serving often have a limited or forgotten revelation of Jesus' desire to serve them, to serve them personally. When someone fails to recognize that Jesus is first and foremost serving and supplying their needs, then they do not give God, when they don't give God the time and space to speak to them and to minister to them personally, soon to follow comes burnout, comes discouragement, comes disappointment, comes striving. And therein lies the struggle. But when we spend time to rest in the presence of God, to realize that God's first desire is not for us to serve Him, but for Him to serve us, then suddenly everything snaps back into perspective and new strength can be found. Amen? Has anyone experienced that before? You know, so often for myself in ministry, like I'm so, I get so overwhelmed with the details of what needs to happen. You know, this event needs to happen. We're planning for this. This needs to change. This needs to work. And then my head gets all bogged down in the details and I start to get discouraged. I start to get disappointed. And sooner or later, my mind starts flicking to a place where it's like, you know what? Let's get the most bang out of our buck for the least amount of effort. What is the least amount of things that I can do in order to get the task accomplished? And then it goes down a very negative, a very discouraged uh, kind of mindset and point of view. But all it takes all it takes is one person to say something which refocuses my heart back on God. And suddenly, new motivation, new life, new strength just comes into my spirit. Have you ever experienced that before? Have you ever experienced, you know, when, when you're talking with someone and you're just complaining, man, serving is hard, man. Every week I'm out here, I'm standing in the sun. It's 33 degrees today. And, you know, the cars are driving past. They're not even smiling at me, man. They just ignore me, right? And then you're just complaining, you're down and you're disappointed. And then all it takes is someone to refocus your heart on God and say, you know what, but we're serving God here and we're helping his people be welcomed into the house of God. And suddenly everything snaps back into perspective and you're like, you know what, it's okay, it's worth it. I'm not serving man for man himself, I'm serving God. You know, have you ever experienced that? We need church to learn to get better at fixing our eyes on Jesus. We need to learn to get better at fixing our eyes on Jesus because the one danger that we have with service, especially, you know, a lot of us here are Asians, right? And Asians in our personality traits, we are a very compliant people. It is the way it is. I mean, you can deny it, but you're thinking it yourself. Right? We're a very compliant people. And so when someone in authority or when a pastor comes up and they say, you know, serve, serve the Lord, serve the Lord, serve the Lord, right? You take it and you run with it. A lot of us will be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to join a team. I'm going to participate in this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But the issue is, 
If we all start serving and we continue to serve without first focusing our eyes on the example to follow, it comes from a very dry and dangerous place. It comes from a place which is very prone to discouragement and disappointment. Because if we start serving people for the sake of people, we get disappointed, right? I serve you, you don't appreciate me, I'm out. Flip table, drop mic, I don't need this, I'm out. True? Right? And people always disappoint. We are broken. We, we make mistakes. Sometimes when we in, don't intend to, sometimes we intend to, sometimes we're just having a bad day. If we serve people for the wrong reasons and we don't keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we are prone to discouragement. We are prone to seizing. We are prone to fruitlessness. And that is not the way that God has designed service to be. That is not the way God has designed, to, designed service to be. We have got to get better at looking to Jesus. And so my question to us this morning is this, right? In the midst of this message, just focus in on this. How have you been served by Jesus lately? I think the majority of people here actually don't have an issue with serving God in terms of starting to serve. I think most of us here have an issue with getting caught up in our service to God and then thinking that we're on the right track even though we've lost our perspective on what really matters. So let me ask you the question, how has God been serving you personally lately? What has he spoken to you for the sake of yourself? Not for the sake of your ministry, for your your teams, not for the sake of what you need to do, not for the sake of coming together for um, for a connect group, but what has God been saying and serving you with lately? How have you allowed him to speak and to minister to your own life? Church, if we begin to hone in and focus in on that, I can guarantee us that our serving life will go to a whole another level. Do you believe it? You know, there are some people here today who have been so caught up in their serving God that they've brushed aside opportunities for God to serve them. I know because it's true for me. Because as, let's be real here, as as someone who works here in church, right, oftentimes, so I'm sitting here in the front row and then I'm listening to say, Pastor Benny, bring the message. And I'm like, wow, that message is really hitting home for me. That, that message is something that God is speaking to me, right? And then the minute he ends, I'm like, okay, who needs prayer? Who needs prayer? What song are we singing next? How are we ending the service? What's going on around, right? And I brush aside the opportunity, the most important thing, the one thing that matters, which is to sit at the feet of Jesus and to let him first minister to me. And I believe that there are people here like that today that whenever we reach moments of ministry, whenever we're, we're, we're in these uh, places where the presence of God is so tangible, that we've brushed aside the opportunity for God to really minister and to do a deep work in our hearts because we have on the hat of serving. I pray that we never get so caught up doing things for God that we forget that serving is really about doing things with God. I don't want it to be a church who just does things for God. I want to be a church who does things with God. Amen? Amen. And the, the third thing about serving, right, is this. And this is really where I want to land today's message is, is serving is a means of grace. Serving is a means of grace. In other words, serving is a gift that God gives to us. Now, that doesn't sound right. Because when we think about serving, we're thinking about effort going one way, right? We're thinking about my effort to serve God, my effort to serve you. Therefore, the flow of energy 
is headed out, not in. But would it surprise you to hear that God doesn't need your service? God doesn't need your service. Acts chapter 17, verses 24 and 25 says this. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Now pay attention to this. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So if God doesn't need our service, then why does he command it? If he doesn't need our service, why does he command it? Well, the answer is this. God commands our service because it's a gift to us. It's a gift for us. What do I mean? Think about it. Through serving, we receive the grace to grow and mature in our faith, in our character and our attitude. Amen? You know, anyone can be like Jesus while sitting in the pews. Anyone can be like Jesus if you're just sitting there, hearing the word of God, going out, drinking some coffee, having some fun times, going out for lunch and being like, church was great. Anyone can be like Jesus in those situations, but when we serve, when we put our hands to the plow, when we get our hands dirty and step into the mark of people and brokenness and systems and authority and submission, then we receive a grace that grows and stretches us, that molds our character and teaches us how to experience Christ-likeness, not just to talk about it, but to experience what it means to grow in our faith. Amen? If you talk to any person here who has been serving God for a while, successfully, and not burnt out, <laughs> preface it with that, but who has been serving God for a while, keeping their eyes fixed on Jesus, they would tell you and that they would testify to you that their service has been a key part of their life and of their growth in their walk with God. It is a grace, it is a, serving is a means of grace given to us to grow us. You know, suddenly when we have to deal with difficult people who don't understand us, who rub us up the wrong way, suddenly when we serve, we have to begin dealing with, you know, the issues of people and all that kind of stuff. We have to work hard at being peacemakers. We're not just talking about glorifying God. We're, we're beginning to get our hands dirty because we're starting to participate and live it. That's where grace is found. That's where grace is found. Think about it as well. Through serving, we also learn how to lean into God. We learn to lean into God, to receive strength and motivation to do things that we ourselves could not do. Could not do ourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But by the grace of God, Paul says, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. Listen to this, all right? This will blow your mind about serving. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. That, that, that absolutely blows my mind. How can you work harder, but not, not you working, the grace of God that was with him? Colossians 1, 29. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 1 Peter chapter 4. If anyone serves, listen, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever, amen. And so as we seek to please God, to do his will, to advance his glory, there is a grace that is available for a supernatural strength, a supernatural power that enables us to do what we cannot do in and of ourselves. The promise here is this, is that there is another level 
of God's power, another level of God's strength, another level of God's intimacy, another level of God's grace that is reserved for those who are committed to serving God. Listen to this in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. It says, For the eyes of the Lord reign, for the eyes of the Lord, Lord, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen, to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. God is looking for a people who are committed to serving Him because He is looking for them to strengthen them. God wants to give you a great a grace gift in serving. He wants to give you a strength that you have never experienced before. He wants to give you a walk with him that you have not experienced before that can only be found when you serve him. Now the issue for us here is this. The issue for us is things begin to go wrong when we start to serve out of our own energy and our own devices. You know, so often one of the most common cliches that you will hear when, when leaders and when uh, people come together to praise, Lord, we don't want to do this out of our own strength. We want to do this in your strength. Have you heard that before? But so often we pray it, but do we really know what it means? Or do we just give, you know, intellectual sense to it? Yep, that sounds good. What does it mean to really lean into God's strength? You know, so many of us pray it, but then we go back to our own plans, and then we go back to our own structures, and then we go back to our own ways of serving, and okay, this is how I serve, this is my framework of what I believe, this is the best way that things should be done. And instead of leaning into the Spirit of God for strength and power, we, learned, we, we, we lean back on ourselves and we begin to do things our own way. No wonder we, re- we achieve our own kind of results. No wonder we see a lack of the, 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 the supernatural power of God interceding on our behalf. There are stories of missionaries and pastors all across the world who do daring things for God, who, who, who lean into the presence of God rather than into their own efforts. And as they hear the word from God and as they hear the command of the Lord to serve them in a particular way, they lean into it not out of their own strength, not planning and strategizing about what it is that they need to do next, but they lean into it knowing that it is the word of the Lord for them. And as they lean into it, they experience miracle after miracle after miracle as God miraculously, just in time, provides exactly what they need at the right moment to accomplish the task that he has called them to do. But it requires a faith that says, God, I am going to lean on your strength. I'm not going to go back into my own ways of doing things. I'm not going to think that I know the best way to achieve what you have called me to do, but I'm going to lean into what you have for me. And so church, my prayer this morning is that for us who serve God, that we would be a people who lean into the strength of God. That as we approach our serving, we lean into this means of grace that He has promised us. That as we serve, we begin to receive first from Him and that we, we trust and we put our faith on the line to say, God, if you do not come through, your will cannot come to pass. And so God, I'm relying on you in such a way that if you don't, I want, I want to do, I don't know about you, but do you wanna do God's will your way? Or do you wanna do it in a way which when people look at you and say, I don't know how they did it. God was with them. I, I want to be that kind of person. I want to be the kind of person that, that, that isn't just, oh, you know, I've, I've, I've put things in the right place and I've structured th- things well. But I want to be the kind of person who when people look at, they say, this person walks with God. God comes through for this person. And so my prayer for us as a church is that we really lean into that this year, that as we serve, right, there are going to surface things that are going to disappoint you, that are going to discourage you. There's gonna surface things where you're gonna to have to start grappling with 
the things that need to happen, structures, events, obligations, duties, responsibilities, things that uh, the church needs to do, things that are going to happen, double services are coming up, all these kinds of things. But my prayer for us as a church is this, that we never lose sight of the fact that serving is a means of grace. It's a gift of God to us. So let's not lose sight of what God wants to do in us through our service. He is not after our begrudging service. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need you. Sounds bad, but it's true. He doesn't need us, but he wants our hearts. And so my prayer is that our hearts are brought before him this morning. Amen? Church, would you rise to your feet? We're going to end today. Um, and as I was preparing this message, I was trying to get a sense of what it was that God really wanted to speak into this morning. And I believe that there are people here today who are serving God um, and have maybe allowed, you know, things to just get skewed. They've, they've taken their eyes off the prize, taken their eyes off Jesus. They're beginning to serve out of their own self-effort. You're feeling tired. You're feeling disappointed. Some of you are like, you know what, service is not for me. But I believe that God wants us to be a serving people because he is a serving God. He is still in the work of serving people today. He's in the work of serving you today. And so what I really feel impressed upon my heart is that there are people here who have not been served by God for a while now, who have been so caught up with their own service and what they need to do for God and what they believe God wants to do through them that they have not had a moment to just allow God to speak to them, just for them. And as a result, people here are, can be tired. They've been facing all sorts of things, feeling all sorts of emotions. But I believe God wants to restore your service life today. God wants to bring you back to a place where your service is satisfying, where it is sustained, where it is fruitful, because you have your eyes fixed on him. And so if that is speaking to anyone today, I'm gonna to ask the worship team to come up and we're gonna sing a song. But if that's you today and you need a moment and you, you're saying, you know what, God, this, is not a, this moment is not about me serving you. This moment is about allowing you to serve me, allowing you to speak to me, allowing you to draw my heart close to you. And if that is your desire this morning, I want to encourage you just to step down to the front and just to do some business with God. To turn this place into an altar and to say, God, this is my symbol to you. That I'm not worried about what else is going on in service. I'm not worried about where my cell group lunch is going to be. What I'm most concerned about right now is just drawing close to you. Is to having your presence near me. And if that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you, just come to the front and receive from the Lord this morning. That's what he wants for you this morning, to receive from him, to be recharged, to be refueled, to be re-inspired, and to have your service life rekindled. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you that you have not commanded us to serve just as slaves, but Lord, you have called us children, and that God, you welcome us into your presence. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are not a God who is a dictator over us. But God, you have emulated, you have shown us what service is. And you continue to show us what service is today. 
as you desire to draw near to us, as you desire to speak life into us and to encourage us. And so, Lord, this morning, it is our prayer and it is our response to you to just draw near to you, to put aside uh, whatever we have going on in our heads about what it is that we have to do and the busyness. But God, we just decide right now in this moment to just focus in on you, to receive from you and to be served by the servant king. So Lord, would you come in this place and would you minister to your people? And all of God's people said, amen. Come on, church, let's sing together. Watch.